HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. And, and also, I, I just want to say this, that people need to understand that it's an industry of food, but there's so much. There are food scientists, there are food exactly, consultants, right. there's there's so there's just so much. Like, yeah. It's not just about cooking because you think classic chick is making money, so mm-hmm. you know, the next moment you open it, it's about food <laughs> and you're cooking. There's so much to me. Like, there's food health and safety. Yeah. There is so much. And it's about time that we, we start reading mm-hmm. and researching and understanding what we want to go into. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we understand that, we will all choose which path, and in the end, we all help each other. Hi everyone, you're listening to Item 13 Podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every week, we'll delve into the world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. This week, I speak to Jay Jerry of Mukase Sheik. Jay identifies as a culinary entrepreneur with food blogging and styling, catering, a food bank, and food events under her entrepreneurship umbrella. A Mandela Washington Fellow, she's written food articles for most Ghanaian magazines and has been featured on CNN Africa and BuzzFeed. Our conversation in Accra covered everything from why she started and stopped her restaurant business, her food event company, and her journey to becoming a Mandela Washington Fellow. I've been following Jay's story for years now, and I think there's a lot to learn from her experiences. Here's the show. Welcome to Item 13, Jay. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited for us to walk through <laughs> your entire food journey. It's, it's a long journey, a lot of different and interesting things you've done. So I think this will be very interesting for everyone that's listening. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with talking about you. Who's Jay? Mm. Where did you grow up? What were the things that influenced you? Well, um, I grew, as long as I can remember, I think um, I grew up at, um, between Madina and Adenta. Okay. We stayed at Madina because my parents were trying to finish up their house and we had to like stay at my uncle's for like a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But those were some of the most amazing times of my life. Really? Yes. Amazing because? Amazing because um, I think that was when I realized that I was actually a human being. So it's funny. So it's funny because I don't remember anything um, from about from about 
six years. Okay. I just remember that I was six years and that's it. Oh, I don't remember anything after, that, yeah, before that, yeah. exactly. So I just remember that, oh, I was just six. And, and it was fun because I was the only girl. Okay. And I had cousins, uh, male cousins, obviously, and I had a brother then. And I would do anything they would do. Yeah. So I played football. Okay, so do you consider yourself a tomboy? Yes, okay. I have. Yes, I still am. I still have a bit of it in me. Okay. So those who really study me see it. Uh, but I was a complete tomboy. Played games, Nintendo, mm. Mortal Kombat, everything like to the T. Uh, we moved to Adenta. I was still a tomboy, obviously. Yeah. Um, Adenta was a bit more serious because then we had just started you know, going to serial school, you know, like when you start yeah. school, so it was like, learn and pass your grades, uh, it was fun, and um, I was never the child to cook, Okay. let me say this properly, I was never the girl child to cook, okay. like, never, so ever, so you're not the one who was like, I wouldn't even lie, <laughs> ever, I didn't play with um, Congo oh, yeah, teams, I didn't know, okay, if you send me, I even get angry. <laughs> well, then how did you end up? That's a good question. Then how did you end up in the world of food? I can't honestly give you a straightforward answer. I think that um, I have it in my genes. My yeah. father was an amazing cook. Like that is actually quite surprising for a Ghanaian family, right? Yeah. That the father. I mean, maybe there are men that can cook well, but yeah. they just don't. They just choose not to, yeah. but I, yeah. that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, my father was an amazing cook. I mean, I lived with my, my father and my stepmother, who okay. was also an, like a real cook. Okay. She was like a real caterer. But I remember my father being... For me, like cooking with my stepmother was more like a chore. Okay. Like, there was nothing that I learned yeah. because it was always an experience. Right. But my father, it was much more easy. And I think yeah. even at that age... He introduced me to a lot of texture and a lot of like um, spices and a lot of like food from different countries because they used to travel out a lot. Yeah. And I saw him like he, he. That's why I love shortcuts, and I think I got that from my, yeah. my father. Is a shortcut man. Like he would do anything, any shortcut thing. He would try any um, interesting recipe. He travels and he learns. So I think I had it, okay. but I never really was interested yeah. until I was in my twenties and. I was bored at work, looking for a presentation, a, a picture for a presentation. I came across um, a blog by Fran. Okay. So if you know Fran, Fran is, I think Fran should be one of the oldest um, food bloggers. Oh, I know Fran. Yes, yeah, yeah, Fran. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, into me, yeah, bring to me yeah. if I'm right. And I said, why is there, I mean, sorry, but why is there a white lady documenting right. their food? I didn't understand. So I went back to her blog and I read her, um, her introduction and they talked about her friendship with Mrs. Beta mm-hmm. of Flair. And I said, you know what, I want to learn this. Like, I want to learn how to cook. Okay. So I started, what I did wrong in the beginning was, it opened my eyes to a world of food bloggers mm-hmm. in America and wherever it is. So I started learning from them and cooking the same thing. Okay, so you're cooking American, American, like all kinds of continental food, but never like local dishes. Because for me, I thought, oh well, I live in this country. If I have to learn, I have to learn something that. But that's interesting because your your interest in food was piqued by somebody that was doing Ghanaian food, and then you sort of started going the opposite. Yes. So I went the opposite way, and then a couple of like months later, I said to myself, 
this is not working. Like, it was good for me, but I said, this is not working because you can't make pizza as better as an Italian. Right. Because they learn it from home. Yeah. And they all have, like, cultural arts and takeouts. So no Ghanaian, like, no foreigner should make Ghanaian food better than me. So I, I have to make yeah. what I know how to make. So then I figured out that, oh, you know, you weren't cooking at home. But then when I started, I remembered all the lessons and, you know, for my father doing this and my stepmom and, you know, and yeah, that's how so the interest started. That's how, started. That's how started. it started. So, let's talk about the name. How did you pick the name? Oh and like, for God. those who are listening, <laughs> listening, what does it mean? Oh my God. Every time I get this question, I laugh because there's no dramatic story to this. <laughs> I think that I say this to my friends all the time. Most people know me. I am very creative with names. Like I'm blessed with names. Oh, okay. I have a thing with names. So basically, when I started, my first restaurant was called She Brews, oh, really? which I meant I wanted a coffee shop. So which meant a lady who brews coffee. So that was my first one, and then um, it turned to Mukasa Chick. There wasn't any excite, like any dramatic process, yeah. nothing. It was just that at that time I was working and I was let me say I was at my peak. I was young and mm-hmm. exciting. At the same time, I wanted to do something Ghanaian. I said, okay, how do we put the two together? And I wanted a local name, but I wanted it. My reason for even choosing a local name was that I wanted people outside Ghana who didn't understand what I was saying to ask me. I wanted to be a topic starter, to ask me, what does it mean? So basically, Mukase, I'm I'm an Akan. So Mukase means kitchen. And Cheek obviously means me and my team and everybody I come into contact with. Uh, a cheap yes yeah. basically so then you started with food blogging yes right? so let's talk about that why did you we talked a little bit about the background of how you got into, into that but then you sort of and not embarrassed but you sort of exploded onto the scene like yes. I think and I don't know how fast your trajectory was in terms of getting followers and like the creativity of the things you were doing like how did that all happen I mean, for someone that's watching, it happened really quickly. Really quickly, yes. How did that happen in your, from your perspective? Um, you I think that, that when... Okay. So I think that when I started, um, to be honest, there weren't people who were doing that, who were yeah. documenting food. And it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, yes. But um, I was quickly introduced to Instagram. Okay. I was on Facebook, I was very, you know, vibrant on mm-hmm. Facebook and I used to write notes and all that and I was quickly introduced to Instagram and because of my marketing and advertising background, oh, I quickly yeah, noticed yes, uh-huh. yes. I have a marketing background, I had an advertising background, I have a theater background. Okay. So I quickly um I was quickly able to figure out which of the social media platform works for what. So I use what I have learned, and even till now, I always say that I never potential, like I never use my potentials hundred percent. Like I just use a little bit of what I've learned. So I think that people quickly came to notice, oh, there's someone who posts food, and it wasn't even as fancy as some of our pictures are these days. It was just this yeah. old food. Because and, of the novelty of it, I guess nobody was putting our food out. Nobody there. was putting our food out yeah. there, and um, people were just excited, and right. they could relate. I mean, I was young. I am so young. (laughs) (laughs) And people could just relate. And, you know, so many women or so many girls like me wanted to learn how to make maybe fridge view or something. And I would document everything and my failures. So people could relate to me. 
and I think I used a few um, of my marketing skills and I grew my page organically it wasn't yeah people were doing promotions at that time but right. who had money to go and promote like I mean yeah maybe you had the money but that was not yeah. the, what your money right. was going to be used for so I, I organically um, started and I grew it to what it is today and I know that, yeah a lot of people do say that it was so sudden well, even like last like, a couple of days ago I catered for um, someone's party and there was a vendor who was there he said how did you get like how and I'm like I don't even try and let me explain but I think that honestly like over the years I've come to also understand that it is a marketing platform like all our social media yeah. platforms are supposed to be for marketing one thing or another right. so whatever yeah. you choose to market on it you must find how each of them relates to the success yeah. and people will be yeah. able to relate to you yeah. so You've said a lot of things that I like. I have so many questions. Oh my goodness! All the things. So I want to ask you one because you mentioned the cake and how you jumped from food blogging to actually starting to cook for people. I also want to touch on the idea of social media and using it for sales versus because I had this conversation two days ago with with the chef where we're talking about how people use it more for. Self-esteem and the mm-hmm. likes and the followers, mm-hmm. and they haven't really figured out how to use it as a medium for business, business sales, right? Mm-hmm. So that's also basically exactly. something you said that I also want to touch on. Um, let's start with those two. Okay. Let's start with social media, and then, okay. then we'll go into we'll go and then talk about your coaching business. Okay, cool. So um, most of the interview, interviews I've granted, I always say that I started a social media restaurant. That was how I sold my food. Like every picture was as real as it gets, people's plates right. and I posted and people will call and um, people will order for the same thing. Like I said before, it's a marketing platform, so you must decide on what to use it right. for. I have gone through, and I think we'll talk about the, that later, I have gone through that stage, I've gone through and come out yeah. of that stage where social media is about likes, it's about comments, it's about praises yeah. and even I have gone through it all and come out of it. And I'm actually at a point of my life, my personal life and my career where I do not wake up to social media likes. I don't wake up to social media, whatever it is. Um, let me give you an example. I, I, I got a, a call from a caterer, a fellow caterer that I've never met or even spoken before. So she sent a message and said, oh, you know, hi. Um, I said, hello. She said, can I have your number? I want to ask you a question. So okay. So I gave her my number. She called me. She said, um, I know that you have a lot of celebrity friends, but um, I don't see that you cater for a lot of celebrities. So I laughed and I said to her, how do you determine who, who and who caters for? Is it because of the pictures you yeah. see? Is it because of what the person writes? Is it because of the well, bios or whatever? She said, yes. I said, but you cannot do that. Everybody on social media page has a strategy and a form. My strategy and my form, when you go to my restaurant page, is to let people see the food and say, oh my God, I want to eat. So when you go there, there's no human being. That's how I work. There's no human being. I respect my clients' privacy or if they don't want privacy, whatever it is. But my emphasis and my strategy for my page is not about showing you who I've catered yeah. for and who I haven't catered for. And that's an important point. Even just across the board, like even outside of food, in terms of showing people and respecting privacy, I find a lot of people that are trying to sell stuff. I don't know how many of them ask 
before they post pictures of, of people, you know. I mean, I think if it's food and you're, you're trying to help people sell their products, it's fine. But sometimes people don't want someone else to know yeah. that I was at this was event this or, or whatever, you know. So yeah. it's good. And I think I think personally that that's, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, then let's get into catering. Or maybe even before that, restaurant. So mm-hmm. how you were blogging and then you decided... And people were asking, no, I want to eat, I want to eat. Then I got this little space. Okay. But I've always loved a coffee shop and I will <laughs> open a coffee shop. I will open a coffee shop, but I always... So I started with a coffee shop called She Brews, which means a lady yeah. who brews coffee. And everybody came in asking for jollof and what really? And then it turned into... Interesting. So, where was the space? How did you find it? How did you find the space? It? Was um, located just opposite Dalex and Sharon's on the Ringway Estates, okay. around Pepe's Gym. How did I finance it? I think I took a loan. I was okay. working at that time. I took a loan of about eight thousand, if I remember, and I paid for my rent, and then everything else was on me after okay. that. And uh, and I finished it. Yeah, I, okay. I did it for about three years. And it it was one of the things that really rocketed my <laughs> business. Like it was a little space where we're churning out a lot of yeah. food. And so that space was both Shebrews and then I, it was Shebrews at that time. Okay, so for three years. For three years, years. yes, I was okay. doing that. And then uh, Mukasa was still there as the blog. Okay. So when I left where I was and I, I got a bigger space, I said, you know what, Ghanaians don't read. Ghanaians don't understand what's going on. You need to synchronize the yeah. brand. And I said, let's let's call the restaurant the same okay. as the blog so that people will understand what's going yeah. on. So that's when I changed it to Mukasa. Okay. Yes. So then you're running the food out of... I was running the food, food. yes, Mukasa. Were you also still doing coffee? No. Okay. No. So was we cha- yeah, we completely changed to the Anguamons, the Jolot, yes. the Fridayams, <laughs> the Pork. We completely changed. I think that's one, one, one of the... Um, just in also in the business where my core objective was defined as a business. Right. Like I knew that I wanted to do local cuisine with my own touch. Okay. So then let's talk about that in the context of you know this big African food is trending, it's the next big thing in food and all of that stuff. As a food blogger, I can still consider you a food blogger. Yeah, oh, no, no, I've changed my name. I've changed it. I'm a, I'm a culinary entrepreneur. Oh, wow. Okay. I said culinary entrepreneur. Yes. With food blogging as one of the things yes. that you work on. Do you feel a certain sense of like pressure or responsibility to present Ghanaian food in particular in an authentic way, particularly with all the sort of new hype that we have, right? Do you feel that because of all that noise, it's important for you especially to make sure that you are sort of staying true. Okay. So this is very interesting. I've rather felt the opposite. I feel like I should present it in a gourmet... I felt that I should present it in a gourmet way to... Because I think the objective of most people with all the hype and everything is to attract the international markets. So at a certain point in, in food blogging or consulting or whatever it was, I felt like I had to present it in a gourmet way. Interesting. But I don't feel like that anymore. Okay. I've, now, how I feel is that uh, we don't, for me as a Ghanaian, I think that we don't fully understand our food, the history behind the food, our spices, what we use for what, um, you know, the medicinal aspects of all the things yeah. we have. So we have a long way to go. And for me, it's only when I understand what I have now is when I will do a fusion. 
it's when I will present it in a gourmet way yeah. to an international market. Yeah, because that was going to be my follow-up question in terms of so African food of trend and then the fusion part of it, because people are trying to sort of make it appealing to international yeah. market, so they are including like Japanese yeah. techniques or American techniques. So, so you are taking a step back from that. Yes, I, I am. Um, I am not fully against fusion, mm-hmm. but I think that if you do a fusion, you must either keep the original taste or make it way better. I don't want a fusion that tastes yeah. doesn't taste like anything that well, I remember. Well, I actually want to ask you, and I'm sure you've seen this, and if not, my apologies, but I want to ask you if you've seen pictures of Ikui. Um, yes, I have seen. Yes, yes. What your thoughts are on yes. their food and presentation? I think their presentation um, appeals to the kind of people that they want to attract to their restaurants. I think that their textures is quite interesting, very interesting. Yeah. However, I haven't tasted it, right. so but I've read the reviews and everything, and it seems so amazing. I mean, they won awards right. and watch yeah, yeah, yeah. So then again, it also takes my mind to the to the fact that um, the people who are eating from these places are they people who already who already know how these things are supposed to taste. Okay, number two, the people who are eating from these places do not know what they are eating and why we cook it the way we cook it. But apart from that... Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And I've had the same conversation with several people as to like what the objective of Ikoye is. Right? If it's to introduce people to Nigerian cuisine, then to that extent of fusion may be a little too much because for someone that's coming in and is expecting pepper soup or even plantain, um, and they see it completely covered in this red dust thing that they, which is, looks amazing for me yeah. and all of that stuff. But if I'm being introduced to Nigerian food, like is this the appropriate way and to yeah. do so? I like, I rather will be introduced to the original and then have a fusion. Right, later. exactly. So okay, let's talk quickly about your KP KP. Maybe let's talk about why you stopped the restaurant. Then. Okay. Well, so I stopped the restaurant because I woke up one morning and realized that this was not the dream. Yes, when I when I started Mukasa Chek, it was supposed to have give you an experience of a real Ghanaian warm place. Uh, feel like you are almost home. The food touched that part of people. People always say, "Oh my God, your food tastes like I'm home." But there was no experience, you know, with my space, with my serving. So I woke up one day and I said, "No, I need to go back." Yeah, you've made some money. You've made name. The main name is fine. But I need to go back. So going back means it's a lot of investment and what have you. And I am going to go back, but I'll go back the right way. Okay. Yeah. That's so interesting because we just, the episode that just came out was talking about customer experience and creating the right experience in like dining situations. And so it's good to hear that you're thinking about that because it sounds like from when I spoke to Maureen, a lot of people just think about the food, right? They don't think about the entire, like the ambience, the service and all of that stuff. So that's really good. So... You you decided to shut down the restaurant. Yes, I went for the Mandela Washington Fellowship, yeah. and then you know I had already I was thinking about that in one of our classes. You know, it just kind of yeah. hits me, and I called back. I called Ghana. I said, you know, what, close it, and that's what happened. Oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Okay. So um, I think this is a good time to take a break, and then when yeah. we come back, we'll talk. Everything else, we'll talk catering, we'll talk the food event company, we'll talk about the Mandela Washington experience, all of that food bank, (laughs) all of that good stuff. Okay, all right, guys, we'll take a short break and we will be right back.
So we're back from the break, hmm. speaking to Jay from Kaseshi, the culinary entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I want to talk a little bit about your catering, well, like all of the things that you do under your entrepreneurship oh my umbrella. God. So starting with catering. So you closed down the restaurant. Yes. I'm sure you were doing a little bit of catering while you were. Yes, I was. I was. But like now you're focusing yes. fully on catering. Fully on catering. So let's talk about that because I find catering to be an interesting business, huh? Because, and I'll take Ghana specifically. So, you know, people, someone grows up, they cook really well, but he tells them they cook great until they decide, oh, I'm going to cook mm-hmm. for people. But I think that there's more to it than just cooking for people, right? You have to think about the pricing, how you're going to package it, how you're going to transport it, all of that good stuff. So, how did you learn all that? Like, I think it's. It's a, it's a thing to have, right? Because yeah. you, and, and if you don't do it, well, I think you'll be out there. So, yeah, you're doing something right. So, like, how Thank did you... you? Well, I read a lot, honestly. Yeah. Like, I read a lot about catering and even about restaurants. Mm-hmm. So, um, I read about, you know, cost, menu planning, mm-hmm. and even setting up a table. You would come to understand that when you're planning a menu for a client, you need this amount of carbohydrates, this amount of protein, this amount of complements, and all those things. And, you have to try and explain to people what a menu is and all that. <laughs> so, yeah, I read a lot and I I, um, I watch what people do. Mm-hmm. I ask a lot of questions okay. if I'm allowed to. So that's how I, you know, be, uh, yeah. I, I got into catering. And it's quite interesting. It's true. A lot of a lot of people can cook. A lot of us can cook. But catering for 100 hertz, 200 hertz is completely different yeah. from catering for uh, 30 people. So let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we're catering for 200 people, making some jollof. And, and my assistant that I work with, she made this. She made the stew, and, and it was just time to put in the rice. And usually, we use the stock as the water. So she put in the stock first, and she and she was gonna put in the rice. I said to her, "Let me tell you something. As soon as you put in the stock, and you put in the rice, the, the salt and um, spice balance, the ratio changes." So if you if you still think the stew tastes good and you don't taste it and you put in the rice, by the time you're done, it doesn't taste the same. That would not be the same for cooking for thirty people. So you know, it's, it's I think it's about learning on the job and reading. But I love to cater for people. Like I really love to see people eat my food, clear my plates, like ask me questions. Oh my god, what did you do? I, I love that. So I think um, maybe I don't know if I'm a natural <laughs> but I love to cater yeah, I really love to and cater. then how do you find I mean I think I almost know the answer to this question but okay. how do you find clients so if you're starting a catering business like okay. how do you go about finding and keeping clients um hmm. so my biggest um let's say way into brackets of finding clients and I'm going to use my experience not what we are supposed to do has always been word of mouth like, apart from social media, it has always been word of mouth. Like everybody who contacts me has been word of mouth, and I can say about ninety percent of my clients I have never met. Really? Yes. How is that? Never met. I cater. Oh, no, actually, okay, it's possible. Yes. Think about yes. So yeah. these are people that I don't know. So that's why I said earlier that when the lady asked me mm-hmm. about something, I find it quite funny. And, I, and I, there's one thing that I said to her: I appreciate. Those kind of people. When I started Mukasa Chicken, it blew so fast. I got comments like people were like, you know, you don't want to serve normal people. You want to yeah. serve your celebrity friends. But that was never the case. But they don't know that 90% of my clients are people I've never yeah. met. 
all my bookings are on WhatsApp. They don't even want to meet me. They're like, oh, you know, we, we know you. You just come and do what you have to do. And I go and just do what I have to do. So I think that... Um, I will not say that we've always been positive. Yeah, I've had, a, you know, a few friends say, oh, you know, everything was amazing. It was just that maybe this and this happened. Could you, like, fix it the next time? Oh, yeah, sure, we'll fix it. So 90% have been, yeah, word of mouth and none from family. You won't believe it. Catered my family only once. Even that, uh, it was a small part of the party. Yeah, I, I went to my family. My auntie had a party recently, yeah. three-day party. The person who catered, I didn't know her. Like, she's on social media. I went, I was like, what? Yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> but that's a good point. Like, even with, with anything, when you're starting something, like, I think the mindset that your family or even close friends will be, like, I think people just need to sort of take that off their, mm-hmm. their plate. Yeah. Right? Like, if you, if you think your business is going to grow, yeah, your family and your friends will hire them, like, yeah, yeah, go do it. They're here to support you. And, I mean, they can't, they can't always be the ones mm-hmm. who will make your business survive. No, so, no. To be able to remove your eyes, okay, you're not going to, you know, but that's yeah, that's cool. Um, now let's talk about all the other things that I do. Um, let's start with where do I want to start with? Where do I start with the food event company? Yes. That's, I think, because you have events coming up. Let's start with that. So, okay, why did we decide to start the food event company? So, I, so when you okay, yeah, it started in um June last year. Oh, just, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a few months. Was it? Yeah, June last year. Just a few months before I went for the Mandela mm-hmm. uh, Fellowship, and I, the dream of that company is to be able to curate and organize um, events as big and as intimate as possible for African cooks and chefs all over the continent. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. And um, I realized that in Ghana, I mean, people want to have master classes and they want to have like food events, yeah. pop ups. And if you don't have the money and you don't know people who know people to give yeah. you good places, it's almost like your dream is over. Like, I know people who have advertised for pop ups and stuff and it never happened because they didn't get enough people yeah. or they didn't get a place to make it happen. So I decided that, you know what, I want to put myself in that position where I should be able to use my logistics and people that I know to make something possible for. Yeah. Um, a Ghanaian chef or an African chef, someone who must come to Ghana and yeah, do something. Cool. I'm willing to, yeah. you know, put the logistics together. Okay, that's cool. So, what what events have you done? So, the, our first event was called the food seminar. Okay. Uh, I organized a food seminar. The first one was done at Oak Plaza for um, culinary um, aspirants, if it's the right word to use, yeah. and professionals. Uh, we had about sixty people. It was mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing seminar. And it's happening again this year. Okay. This year is happening, hopefully, at Strong Crown Academy. Okay. Um, it's going to be a bit of practical and theory. So we have classes. We have a customer service uh, retail class from Mori. That's important. Very yes. <laughs> we have a class for menu planning and uh, budgeting from Chef Joe Wilson, okay. who is the vice president of the Ghana Tourism Federation. Oh, nice. We have um, a food styling class, emphasis on finger foods from um, um, Sony, if I remember. It's a Nigerian name, so I always have to be careful before. But basically, her company is called Good Eats Nigeria, um, and she's flying in from Nigeria um, to come and teach people how to make, like, our kind of finger food, spring rolls, both rolls, they call it puff puff, and how to style it to make it, like, look good at at engagements and weddings. And then we have... um, Another food styling session from Champenta, yeah. who also help people because you know people are on social media now and people are copying. Right. So I just want to give people the basics and the fundamentals.
method. You don't have to copy. Right. Copy and add some, right. some yeah. of what you know. Learn the basics. Learn the basics and add it on flair. Yeah. And then hopefully we would have a session uh, by Anita. Anita on Sunshine Cafe. It's one of my oh, favorite. Yeah. She's my mentor and I want to have a class for her to talk to people about how to keep your restaurants relevant. She's had her restaurant for yeah, years it's and it's, it's consistent and it's profitable and I want people to yeah. understand that. Because for me, like I always tell people, how many of our aunties were not caterers? Where are they now? Like what happened? Yeah. And I don't think that we want our businesses right, to go down yeah. that late. So it's important that she comes to talk to us about that. So yeah, if you go on the Google Forms, you can take any of the classes okay. you want to attend. Um, it's 150 cities. Send out the link so that people can. <laughs> I think it's important, Yay. right? I think it's important because we also do with SS13 similar stuff in London. Yes. Yes. Food photography with the idea again that you're putting your food out there. Yeah. It should, you should be able to it's show how exactly. to present it in a certain way. Um, we did what did we do PR, we did content marketing. So all those things that will help you sort of be able to market yeah. your, your food. Right. So yeah. I'm all for like training and teaching our people to be able to compete. I don't think compete is the right word, but like I think that people just don't have the tools. Yeah, they can do it. They just don't have the tools. Yes. Like, so events like. The seminar that you're putting together, I think, will be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're doing the seminars yeah. with the food event company, yeah. and then it's the Jollof Festival. Yes. So <laughs> we have the Jollof Festival in uh, September, okay. on September 1st, at the Memory Lane Park. Okay. Memory Lane is right opposite Opavia. Yeah. And I'm so excited about that. I am Tell so excited. So basically, the Jollof Festival um, is supposed to be the biggest Jollof and Grill Festival okay. in Ghana. Okay. It was last year, and we're hoping to make it. I know. I remember seeing pictures of it. I always miss. I, I, I come to Accra always at the wrong time. Always. Oh no, we are we are going to send a special invitation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we are going to have a festival and celebrate. Love. You know, I had a competition with someone two days ago. He said to me, you know, Jay, you, think, you should think about having a competition with this Nigerian. I was like, no. It's time to celebrate yeah. Ajalof. Like, we are done with comparing <laughs> who and who did what. Yeah. We have to celebrate what we have. And Jollof is not just about even the rice. It's about the protein that goes with it. And there's so much. that like, people who eat it with dried fish, pork, turkey, what have you. Yeah. And we just have to come together and celebrate what we so have. So how are you picking... The vendors for the ah, first to make sure that, like, the idea that you, you have, it's not just anybody that's yes. schedule. It's so interesting. Like, people are sending messages saying, Oh, how do we how do we get the vendor stand? I'm sorry, but I'm gonna <laughs> handpick every yeah, single vendor. Right. Like, we learn, we learn from our mistakes, and I, I don't want, I want everybody to have an experience. And even, like, you know, how the food is going to be served and all that, I'm right. gonna make sure that. That's exciting. I, 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 I really, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's important to curate, to be able to curate and pick the right stuff. I spoke to um, these guys in Lagos, East Joint Lagos, yes. and they do a festival also. And when I interviewed them, they said the same thing. So for their festival also, they are very intentional about who they choose to bring into, and it creates a certain. Ex- they are looking for a certain type of vibe and experience, mm-hmm. and so it's not just anybody that. Yeah. Says, it's good yeah. to, to know that that's the case. Yeah, yeah that's so. the case. And, and, and I'm taking this festival like as my festival, like almost like a personal festival. If I'm at home, like how do I want to be? <laughs> right. You yeah. know, I'm looking, I mean, we are looking at bringing Wolome. That's my like, personal oh, favorite people. Right. And, you know, people, uh, musicians who keep the place alive, yeah. games. And we have the most competitive Jollof 
um, competition. Okay. The king and queen of Jollof. Oh wow! It's so competitive. <laughs> it's not funny. It's so competitive. Last year, a lady won. Um, she was she's also a king trial. Yeah. I feel. And it was amazing. Like she's wearing her crown. <laughs> she wears her crown so well. So this year, I hope she's coming back yeah. to come and defend her yeah, crown. It's really great. And it's I think amazing. these are great, great ways to you know equip uh, local people, celebrate uh, our own food, and do it in a and do it in a great way, right? Not just. I like that you're intentional about the different components of it to yeah. make sure that it's a good experience yeah. for everybody. That I mean, and, and very importantly, one of my biggest um, additions this year is to also have a vendor who will be interested in using our local rice for Jalop. Um, this is one of the things that I picked up from a comment, actually. I, I saw a comment from Derby, Sister Derby. Okay. It was a, I picked it last year and I, oh, you know, I always, I, 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 she, she commented on someone's page mm-hmm. and I've, I've always kept that in mind. It's, it's quite important that we find a way to also um, promote right. what we oh, have. So oh, I'm looking for that vendor who makes yeah. like amazing guys <laughs> Okay. And then uh, I think it's the last but definitely not the least thing I think I realized, the mobile food bank. you learn during that process there's so many things that you, you you pick up and you go through the fellowship in a country where things are working I'm not saying I don't say they are working 100% but at least they are working and then you come back to your country where things might not be working so you need to like tweak your plans to make it work um, I did an internship at a food bank the Oklahoma food bank and it was amazing like for me I've always had the mind that if I ever gave food out to someone who was homeless it has to be food that I can eat it doesn't have to be right. for that you know yeah. you just throw the stew yeah, exactly. on top and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's not my thing so it was very um, it was very interesting and comforting for me to see that the food that they made was food that they could eat everybody ate the executive chef ate from there it wasn't like food for the yeah. homeless you know? <laughs> so so when I came back to Ghana I I knew that it was time for me to start what to do and like you said the structure there is, is quite well done I mean they have a space where chefs come in and cook every day and we don't have that kind of space yet so it was important that we sit down and figure out what can we do to make it um, work so my business partner and I um, came up with a plan that we would then um, identify and it goes back the question how do you identify people that that's like really really tough yeah. honestly it's really tough because sometimes you can't identify who is homeless and who needs it, who is not homeless and who needs it. But basically the plan is that um, people donate. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one we did was 10 CD ahead for us to be able to um, get food and give it to who needs it. So basically that's it. And we'll try and do this as many times as we can. We are also trying to get into the books for companies 
whose social responsibility is to do, you know, help people, and we pitch it to them and say, you know what, we can help you do this. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Chef Kiss, yeah, if you great, and then we've got a lot of um, inquiries. Um, I, on my phone, I was just speaking to um, Andrew, Andrew Bimpong, who's the CEO of Workshed, and he was just asking me about 365, like he would want to be a part of it. And um, Kes, who lives all the way, just said, you know what, I'm going to come to Ghana in July. I, I want to cook for 365. Can you just identify people for us to give the food? So it's, it's interesting. At the same time, it's very, um, I would say it's very sad for me as a person, but it's just my way of helping. I think that I want to be able to use my talents to help. I don't want to do something that I don't understand. This is what I know how to do best, and how can I use it to help? And that's why it ends. Yeah, that's, that's that's really 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 commendable, I think. And especially in a situation where you've seen how it can work seamlessly, and coming back into an environment where there are certainly more challenges in terms of putting that together, and still deciding to go ahead. And, and I think sometimes when you um, Forget there's a quote or a saying that uh, when you sort of set up your mind, the universe conspires to, it does. to help you get it there, right? And so, even with Chef Kess, with the yeah. CEO of Workshed and all of that stuff, I think it's just all part of, you know, um, God's plan, if you yeah, know, it does. Um, it does. of putting the things in place that you need to, to achieve cheapness for. So, kudos to you. Thank this, you. This is really good stuff. And you mentioned this in passing several times. It was one of the last things I wanted to cover in detail. So, so just to explain to people what the Mandela Washington Fellowship oh, is, yeah. how you went through that process, what <laughs> it was like, the lessons that we learned. So basically, I, I got to know about it through um, um, Nana Boachi Yado, who oh, yeah. used yeah, who used to work at CTFM. You know, he said to me, um, he was an alumni, and he said to me that he feels like I should apply. And typical of my, typical of me, I applied like an hour to deadline. No. Yes. I applied an hour to I deadline. So. And the internet was not working. It was oh so God. dramatic. Like, I don't know how. I keep on doing all these dramatic things. But it was so dramatic. Extremely dramatic. And I have had like months yeah. to do this. And I said no. And I just said, and it's so funny. Like usually when I write things, yeah. I write like pointers okay. and I explain. Oh. So because I was so much of a Harry, I didn't even clear the pointers. Like every single thing oh. that I wrote was on. <laughs> it was a shame. Man. <laughs> it was a shame. And I sent it, and I got emailed as a semi-finalist. Uh, we went for an interview, and I, I must say that Ghanaians are doing amazing things. Yeah. Like people that I met, I never even knew that they right. existed. Yeah. I was so shaking and I couldn't believe, oh my god, mm-hmm. like what are you doing here? That was my first like, oh no, no, no. What are no, you no, doing no, here? And people came, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not understanding myself, but I just want people to know how there are so many young people yeah. doing amazing stuff. It doesn't have to be what someone is doing, you know, just keep on doing what you're doing. And we went through the interviews and then some of us got selected. To go for the fellowship. So from Ghana, we're in 14 number. 14? number. Oh, wow. uh, it was a total of a thousand people from Africa. I didn't know it was that big. Yes, yes. From, oh, that's an amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm thousand glad that people it's, from it's that many. Yeah. yeah. I think this year they reduce the number. Sometimes they increase, sometimes okay. they reduce. 
But this year they, they reduced the numbers and it was such an amazing experience. I was the only Ghanaian in my group. I went to Oklahoma State University and I met some other amazing Africans. Okay. Um, I, Oklahoma is an agricultural state, mm-hmm. so it was important for me to. Well, I studied a lot of agriculture. Yeah. And, yeah. How did they pick where you, where you went and what group you were going to go? So to? they have like um, different groups entrepreneurship groups, civil leadership. Um, there's, there's four of them okay. I don't remember yeah. but it depends on what you do so if you go as a, um, a civil leadership um, participant yeah. or applicate or whatever oh, where should I be used then, then you go then they put okay. you there but each school has each school each university has a focus okay. but like Oklahoma like this yeah. it's an agricultural right. university so that's what yeah. so the, your, your, the group that you were with they all had some sort yes. of we, we, we had lady farmers. We had, okay. you know. And I think that's good, right? Because not only what you learn within the training program, but you create you create a network, right, of people who are doing things in your space. Right? Yes, yes. It, it was such an amazing experience. Like I met lots of people, and for the first time in my life, I I came to appreciate myself as a Ghanaian. I remember having a oh, conversation. Really? Yes, okay. I remember having a conversation with one of the ladies, and they were telling me how. You know, um, so they'll say that. Well, they'll see this. They'll see me and say, "Oh my God! Like, look at your hair, or look at what you're wearing." I'm like, "Ah!" They're like, "You know, you can't dress like this in my country. Like, you ca- you can't. You know, if you have to apply for uh, like um, a passport or like you have to go and see a chief." I'm like, "Huh? Like, which this doesn't happen?" Yeah. In Ghana. <laughs> you know. And I was so glad to introduce our cuisine to them. We. In, in our school, we put ourselves into groups. Okay. So we would cook like every night. And it was like my group, everybody was at me. <laughs> and our lecturer would like, our lecturer would just email everybody about this Ghanaian chef. You need to meet her, she needs to cook for you. You know, I chose them to fufu and jollof and everything else. It was such an. Wait, how did you make fufu in, in, uh, in Oklahoma? Okay. There was an African shop. Uh, so, you know, we made yeah, up yeah. and cutting coin and all those oh things. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. And so then, I mean, you, you went to a training program and all that stuff, yes. and you were inspired to come back into Yes, I, I was inspired to make what I had done wrong right. That, that started. That's why you called and said, restaurant <laughs> shut down now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was. I was you know, inspired to. I, I must add that coming back from the fellowship mm-hmm. to to what I am now has been like such an interesting process. I came back ready to do a lot of things yeah. and I went through like a couple of months of depression and losing interest for food. It was it was such an yeah. interesting change. And this is something that we've been, we've been discussing with the embassy that they have to have a look at. Like you go to a country where everything works yeah. and you know, it's like when I come back I'm going to do amazing stuff. Yeah. And then you get to a con- your country and you realize that oh crap, it will take a lot of time. So if you're not frustrated, you might go into you know something yeah. else. So I lost a couple of months of not wanting to cook anymore, and then you know I, I came back out of this. This has probably been my happiest period. Yeah, I saw it today. This has been my happiest. You know, I I love what I do now. I think I found like a new interest mm-hmm. for it. And it's also because of all the other things. You know, before right. I knew that I wanted to do them, but I was like, you know, mm-hmm. there's no time. Right. There's indeed no time, so you must as well right. do what yeah. you have to do. Yeah. And so I want to go back to the embassy in terms of that um, transitional orientation back into yeah. the local space. 
So have they talked about any sort of reintegration programs? Yeah, they even ways in, to keep you in touch and yeah. like keep you continuously. If, even in the even in the orientation, they give a thorough orientation of you know what you must what you expect and what you must do when you come back about expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think that as human beings, we don't you know yeah. it's, it's a different feeling to experiencing it and to hearing it. So, um, yeah, they, they, they are still working on it. But when you come back, there are quite a number of programs that you can also like, okay. um, apply to, which will enhance your interest in what you already do mm-hmm. and also spark up new interest okay. if you want to do something else. So, yeah, there are lots of programs. Um, they have um, a program where you can apply and invite one of your professors from university to come here and come and see the products oh. you're doing. There's another program where you can work with another fellow from another country, which is for the collaborative fund. Okay. There's another program where you can also um, apply for grant. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. That's good that they're keeping you guys motivated through different. Well, oh, they are. Like they're trying. They're trying. <laughs> they're trying. I mean, apart from all the plenty emails, but they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, what's next? For Mokasi, you've oh done my all gosh. this amazing stuff. Like when you look down a year from now, five years from now, like yes. what's the big oh vision? My what's, what's, what's the big vision? Um, what do I even say? I'm in, I'm in a rebranding phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a phase where I want each of my setups and my um, interactions with people to make an impact. Um, I'm literally, yeah, I am at the mood where everything should make an impact, will make money and make an impact. Okay. <laughs> so, everything that I do, I take um, extra care. Um, like I said, the aunties were cooking for a while and there are no more there. If Mkasi Chick has to be there a year from now, yeah. it still has to make an impact. It's not just about relevance, yeah. it's not just about profit making. Yeah. And I want to be able to create the experience that it has been from that I've always wanted to create from day one. I, I want you to be able to bring your friends from South Africa yeah. and say, go to Mukasi Sheikh <laughs> and you will get that experience. Right. Yeah. But there should be growth. Yeah. So basically I'm not gonna pinpoint and say, you know, I'm gonna open a restaurant and I'm gonna uh, as someone will say been there done that <laughs> <laughs> and so everything that I must do must go towards making an impact for another you know mm-hmm. other people. And most importantly, um, one of the things that I, I would also want to do is to do a lot more speaking engagements to young people who want to be in the in the industry. Like it's not just about um, being a dropout. Like that that's not what it means. I mean, investing yeah. graduate yeah. <laughs> with, with right. Yeah, and it's and it's sad because I think I also spoke to somebody about this how undervalued um, some sort of courses yeah. are in. in in Ghana in particular, I can't, I can't speak for the whole country, but in Ghana in particular where people are forced to go or not forced, but maybe they are conditioned to think that you have to be in science in particular or like be a lawyer or be you know, whatever, because that sort of makes you a more look better. Yeah, you know, you know exactly, so, yeah, so yeah. I think it's, it's a good time to be something other than, if I think of people in food, people doing makeup, photographers, yeah. all of that stuff. I think it's great that people are seeing, like young people now are seeing alternative yeah, paths to, exactly. doing, to doing stuff yeah. and that doesn't necessarily yeah. 
have to be have to be yeah less guys <laughs> you don't have to go any premium and and also I, I just want to say this that people need to understand that it's an industry of food but there's so much into the, there are food scientists there are exactly. food consultants there's, there's stylists, so much, just so much like, yeah. it's not just about cooking because you think classic chick is making money so mm-hmm. you know the next moment you open it it's about <laughs> cooking there's so much to me like there's food health and safety yeah. there is so much and it's about time that we we start reading mm-hmm. and researching and understanding what we want to go into mm-hmm. and I think that when we understand that we will all choose which path and in the end we all help each other mm-hmm. you know so Good stuff. So before we transition to the rapid fire questions, yes. let's tell people where they can find you online and social media, especially people who are not oh, from Ghana, yeah. so that they can find you. Okay, so yeah. I'll start with the blog. The blog is still mukasimchik.wordpress.com. Okay, still the same. Um, if you're on any of the platforms, Instagram, mukasimchik, Twitter, mukasimtv, Facebook, mukasimchik. Um, you can also send us an email, mukasimchik at gmail.com or all the platforms have my number so okay. and it's a direct number to me okay because that's I cool yeah? <laughs> yes yes, yes that is, I, I like to interact with my okay. customers yeah. um, directly before yeah. I hand them over to yeah. anybody so it's a direct number to me you can mm-hmm. even drop in some love <laughs> <laughs> okay good yes. stuff alright now let's transition to rapid fire Yay. we're just talking about social media Okay. Your first question for you is Instagram or Twitter? <laughs> oh my god. A couple of months ago, I said Instagram, but I'm loving Twitter these days. Like, so maybe Twitter. Twitter okay. they, are, they are savage, man. Yeah, Twitter is like, I just go and I watch. I don't even try to comment on anybody's thing before I'm dragged into something that I'm not ready to. Cocoa and beans. <laughs> <laughs> we actually 
actually, you know what? That might be it for me also. Really? Yeah. You see? Cocoon beans. And then outside of Bukase Sheik, what's your favorite African restaurant and why? Wow, in Ghana? Anywhere. It doesn't want to be Ghana. Yeesh. What would that be? Um, I think I like, I like, um, as, is it? Asmara. Asmara, yeah. I like Asmara. Okay. The variety. I like the variety. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that's the end of our rapid fire. Oh, so sorry. And of the interview. This was such a pleasure to talk to you and learn so much from you. Thank you. Thank um, good luck with everything. And you have a lot going on. And I'm, I can actually so proud of you and like all the Ghanaian women especially that I think I just like killing it in the food business and like not taking any prisoners just going out there doing your thing yeah. and it's so inspiring thank you, thank to see you. and hear from, from you so I'm sure people will be inspired and hopefully we'll take advantage of all the services and events and stuff that you're offering out there thank you um, this was great also, I'm, I'm also very proud of you I know how long you've been at this and you're very consistent and you keep on you know trying to promote each and everything that we do. Now that I'm also in that kind of space, I know how difficult it can be. So, um, thank you so much. Uh, This was great. Yay! Yay. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.